You're listening to the Slavic Literature Pod, your shelf-help guide to all things Slavic. I'm Cameron Lalana, And I'm Matt Garrisimovich. And today we are covering part one, chapter 11 of Vasily Grossman's Life and Fate, uh, carrying on from the last chapter as we were talking about the feel of battle. And here Grossman expounds a little bit more on the sort of art of fighting war. And um, is there anywhere you wanted to start? I was curious about why uh, you picked the line that you did for this, for our little excerpt here. Well, I picked a few lines, Cameron. Thank you for noticing. That's right. uh, I'll start with my first line, which I assume you mean. And... This is the Tolstoy line, I think. Yes, that that was what I meant. It is also the first line, and so that is kind of a cop-out reason. Sure. But it gives you a good kind of foreground into what Grossman is looking at. And it very concisely says what Tolstoy takes hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages to say. No offense. (laughs) No offense. Not at all. The intuition of a deafened and isolated soldier often turns out to be nearer the truth than judgments delivered by staff officers as they study the map. It kind of speaks for itself. But, you know, if you haven't gotten this point by us talking about warfare for like, I don't know, we must have like 30 episodes on warfare. So who knows? Um, People that are studying war are not the ones that are doing war, usually. Mm. And uh, it's, it's really hard to get a sense for what is going on. Uh, on the battlefield when you're not there. Um, yes, that is my dog entering the Zoom call while wearing a sweater. <laughs> a what about it? It's cold out. I, that. I was just, I wasn't <laughs> going to comment on that. I was just going to say, I was thinking it's a great sweater. Yeah, he's got a turtleneck. What's so wrong with it? <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I think that Grossman continues to expand here because Tolstoy in some ways is a little bit one-dimensional when he's talking about War, at least I would say in War and Peace, there there are parts where yeah, I don't know, Grossman might be a little more resonant with what war looks like currently, I guess, and that's not a a fault of Tolstoy. That is merely the fact of being closer in historical age with someone <laughs> right. than another person, right? Uh, and, and a lot of what he does here is he's talking about turning points and momentum. And I know we kind of riffed on Tolstoy taking such a long time to develop essentially what is momentum in battle. Uh, in Grossman talks about it here, he's talking about this very almost romantic eye, quote unquote eye, uh, which is, you know, against everybody fighting off the tanks, uh, all this stuff. You're just kind of singularly alone in battle. And then it morphs into the we, and that is where a battle can turn. And this is what happens in this chapter where Kramov can now. He could see with absolute clarity that the German storming party had been routed. And there is this little bit of a turning point, a little bit of a reprieve for the Soviet forces. Um, but it's an it's an interesting like psychological look into how battle works because it's it's not all based on what is actually happening. It's sort of based on the perception of how it's happening. Right. Absolutely. And I, I think bringing together these sort of contrasts here of like, okay, you can take a night, which is uh, in which you're having a great time the whole night. And the fact that you're having a great time the whole night, even if you had a clock available to you, it seems like a blur. Uh, or, you know, and then in contrast, if you were spent 25 years in prison, uh, you might say that it's felt like forever, but also the quickness of the days individually were, you know, seemed Im- meaningless to you, even if the whole span seems like it takes so long. And then he says, well, you know, battle is this secret third thing where 
you have uh, every depending on what you're experiencing, right? This the shit being under fire can seem like forever, whereas you know this other event seems like it's only taken a moment. Even crawling across the field really took you know an hour. And um, I, I, going back to something I mentioned the Discord yesterday, possibly even mentioned this in, in the in our short recording. Um, one thing I really appreciate about Grossman's writing is that he includes so many small mental details, not just like trying to, and of course, Tolstoy is trying to do that too, but with Grossman's, they're, they're very particular, right? Like yesterday we had, you know, the a commander on the front lines here was judged by the quality of his bunker and that reflected uh, upon everything about him, right? This guy has a bad bunker, you know, well, obviously he's got a bad bunker. His wife left him before the war. I mean, you've got That's to see true. the continuity. Right? Heard, I mean, I heard that. <laughs> right. And uh, there's this really, uh, the specificity with which he writes and the experience here, you know, as long as we were talking about Tolstoy, you know, again, going to uh, the experiences, I think, you know, the, the experiences of the young Count Rostov are, um, of course, the Balkan, you know, Count uh, Andre Balkansky are great as well. But I think the young Rostov are, are a great counterpoint here, or not counterpoint, but counter, um, a great counter here just in general, because they've got this young man on the battlefield for the first time for a lot of these events. And he's like coming to understand not only himself and his place in the world and on the battlefield, but sort of it's like this, it, it does have a grander, I don't know, feeling he's got, he's trying to figure himself out when it comes to the battle. Whereas here we have this specificity in which the self is almost entirely subsumed, right? The, you know, there's of course this, this, this moment is about Krimov and you, I, I wouldn't say that this is all from Krimov's point of view, like he's being lost in his thoughts here, but you have this sense of this, uh, this the sense of self, which is completely lost in the muck and the mire of everything else going on around you. Until suddenly, among the this shadowy battlefield, Krimov, having having, well, this sense of momentum being described to us, Krimov suddenly sees the momentum has gone the way of the Red Army, mm -hmm. and uh, getting that that sort of just specificity. Is is just appreciated. It really conveys a lot of, um, you know, I can't say for sure this is something their musings Grossman himself had, but they they feel born. I guess the term is the technical term would be verisimilitude, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they feel born of reality of truth um, of the battlefield in a way that sometimes, right? Like your question in the end, how does this compare to other depictions of fiction? And you know, I've never been on a battlefield. I'm speaking entirely from a theoretical standpoint. But, you know, even the as someone's viewpoint, <laughs> <laughs> right, you can understand a more realistic and a less realistic stand, uh, standpoint, I think, even as a theoretical reader between like, I don't know, I can't come up with like a non-realistic, but, you know, not realistic combat. If you like watch a Star Wars movie, you're like, yeah, that's realistic. You know, why, yeah. Like, why are these guys with automatic weapons walking straight in a straight line? It's at the other guys with automatic yeah. weapons, right? Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So. That's appreciated is, is the short version of what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it, I do think that we hammered the point home a lot. But for me, I'm just thankful again to get to read more and in depth here just day by day because I like a lot of the authors that we read, but I really do love Grossman's writing. And so it's a great pleasure for us to get to read very uh, closely and slowly and with great attention. And mm. I'm glad that some of our listeners as well are kind of enjoying at least that aspect, even if the writing is kind of <laughs> depressing at times. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we had a lot of people coming in the Discord today who are catching up and speaking about the beauty of the writing. Um, 
you know, the beauty of the writing, even though the context is the fireball consuming the, uh, it's actually <laughs> even bunker, more but... amazing to me that he's able to do that. To be honest, it's one thing to write about something that is already beautiful, but it's another thing entirely to write about something that is horrifying and yet find something that is beautiful in it. That's it's amazing. And there is this quote that there is one quote that was shared by a discord user, Gabe, Often it is the understanding of this transition that gives warfare the right to be called an art. This alternating sense of singularity and plurality is a key not only to the success of night attacks by companies and battalions, but to the military success and failures of entire armies and peoples. And I think that that's, the first part at least, is very interesting to me. What is and what is not art, it, it doesn't matter. It's just the the understanding or our sort of our sort of overall perception makes it seem as if it is art. And Grossman is kind of probing that a little bit. And you know, he doesn't ultimately come down one way or another here on that, uh, which is kind of interesting. But he's very uh, more like a scientist kind of dissecting these different pieces and is able to bring them back together in his writing. And it's just it's very fascinating to me. Yeah, absolutely. And then in, in responding to that, Gabe says, the modulation of time here was just a strange joy to read when war was the backdrop for such beautiful prose. Though not the same war, at the end of the documentary, They Shall Not Grow Old, hits on something very similar. There's a few seconds of a film of a battalion just before they charge into no man's land. You can see them trying to hold on to those last minutes, and that visual came right back to me as Grossman talks about seconds stretching for eternity and hours crumbling. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's similar. It's something that's, I, I don't know. War, I guess it's something that seems to be universal. It's happened forever, basically. But it's also highly individualized. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this push and pull between individual and collective in war is something that, as it changes, right, this is where Grossman sees the artistry in it. And it's it's interesting to see if that's true or not. Evidently, it seems to be at least partially true because we're all commenting on how much we love reading about him writing about it. And right. that's how he seems to be viewing it here. So who knows? Maybe he's right. Well, it's, it, you know, it's interesting because I think Tolstoy talks about something similar in understanding where the battle goes because Tolstoy ascribes that ability, um, not in those terms, but he ascribes it only to the soldiers in the front line, but he ascribes it to them under the idea of self-preservation. It's like that's the only order of someone on the front line. Um, and so they are the only ones who can actually affect the outcome of the battle, and they're the only ones who can see how the battle is going, because they're the ones making those decisions, regardless of their commander's orders, um, to to to, sur to survive, whether that be follow their orders or not follow their orders, whether it is to stay where they are or it is to charge, it's going to be driven by that self of self-preservation. Um, and here we we see that that like tension between. You know, and, and Tolstoy, when he's asserting that, what he's doing is he's undermining the ability of a commander to look at a map, you know, like you wrote in today's blog. Uh, you know, the, the reason why Kutuzov is so successful is because he says, what if things have changed since we mapped this out three days ago? Um, and, <laughs> you know, he, and he's given a lot of credit for that. So is Napoleon, for that matter, um, is that he's, he's, his, his credit is given to him not as a genius, but as someone who is able to simply accept things as they are and not try to assert what they were told in the meeting um and in, in carrying through here is grossman like reasserting that but also kind of slightly taking it into a new direction right in a newer age for a new set of warfare uh where it's not simply 
you know, the momentum of the battlefield is just the soldier uh, trying to survive. Now it's, frankly, I mean, it's way, warfare has changed, right? In this time, it was, Tolstoy talks about how horrible the war of, uh, you know, Napoleon's invasion of Russia was, and it was horrible. Uh, I think it's pretty inarguable that World War II was worse on every front. And (laughs) (laughs) just like, you know, Tolstoy never had to deal with automatic weapons fire. That's like the the running forward into an enemy position at, with a cannon pointing at you is terrifying enough. Now running forward towards an enemy position where they have an automatic weapon that's able to shoot, you know, hundreds of rounds a minute. Like this is just a new order of the self and the like the ways in which you have to understand yourself uh, uh, under a single can or, you know, a dozen cannon shots from a dozen cannons and the way you have to understand yourself in front of a machine gun. I think that sense of self is just different. That that sense of how time affects you is just going to change. And this is reflected in this sort of malaise in which Krimov is in as he's under fire and, and slowly the Red Army's turning the tide here. For sure. That is all I had to say. I'm great. All right. Perfect. I'm, I'm glad. I'm good. I'm glad Alfie's warm, too. He looks cozy. Yeah, I don't know if you can hear him just sighing in the background. <laughs> Well, hopefully Alfie stays cozy through your cold, cold time. And to all the rest of you, we hope you stay warm and cozy through your cold, cold time, presumably, unless you're, you know, on the other side of things. So whatever it is, stay comfortable. <laughs> we'll see you it's tomorrow. not our best sign off. <laughs> what do you mean? I think this is very empathetic. This is a very empathetic, very people forward. This is what True. I was learning in my, that's what I learned by uh, HR people forward meeting the other day. Yes. <laughs> does not make you sound like a robot <laughs> I hope you do not have cold time <laughs> I hope you maintain a temperature which is above that which you need to stay alive <laughs> we will see you upon the morrow you will hear from us again soon unless the robots get cannon first 